0: What is up, my listeners, and welcome to another episode of Self-Assembly. We are back with our third conversation in our series on death. Every death is followed by grieving. It's an immensely complicated process. We grieve because we miss the person we've lost, but a lot of times we're also grieving the loss of a part of ourselves. You know, human beings are a social species, so much of who we are is wrapped up in how we interact with those around us when we're young our personality is formed by observing the reactions of the people we grow up with so when a person very close to us dies it can be daunting to try to reassemble who you are without that person in your life whether it's a parent a friend a sibling a significant other even a celebrity for years that person existed in our world they changed the world They affected the lives of everyone they interacted with, no matter how big or small. And then one day, they just don't anymore. They leave this world and will never be heard from again, at least not in this current phase of existence. And just as every person lives differently, we all experience grief differently. In the words of the great Kendrick Lamar, I grieve different. Some of us grieve with external passion. Tears flow down our cheeks, and the internal pain we feel materializes in the form of audible crying. Some of us grieve more internally. We hold our emotions close to our heart and process our loss in the comfort of our own minds. Some of us can even grieve using humor. We think about all the times a person made us laugh, and almost like a way of honoring their spirit, we do our best to smile and make jokes because that's what this person would have wanted at their funeral. Some do a combination of all three. And some of us write music. My next guest falls into the latter category. She's a friend, a journalist, and an extremely talented songwriter. And rather than opening the show with our normal music, we're going to listen to a beautiful song she wrote about the loss of someone very close to her. She was kind enough and brave enough to give me some time to talk through this song and what she experienced that inspired her to write it. Please enjoy this track, Waxwing, and welcome to self-assembly, Rosie Chima.
1: the service
0: Busy. Zach. <laughs> Welcome to Self Assembly.
2: Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I'm so glad. I'm so glad you uh
2: It's a good name. I didn't know that's what we were calling. Self
0: assembly. Isn't that great? Yeah. 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 I think it's a. it's it's a little self-assembly is actually like a, a scientific term for molecules that self assemble. Which I didn't know when I named the show. Whoa. But I think that knowing that now it's actually it, it it seems to fit. It's pretty cool, right?
2: Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs>
0: uh, well, um, first of all, I just need to say that that is the second time now I've listened to that song having the lyrics in front of me. Um, and, you know, I, I've heard you play it several times live, and it, it's always been one of my favorite songs. And I think because the emotional range in the song is is so... It's such a a fluid thread, you know. It, it it hits different sort of parts of your heart, really. And um, I I didn't realize that the lyrics, you know, were were. Now that I see them in front of me, you know, it, it takes on just like a a much deeper meaning um for me. And and I'm wondering now if you, you could kind of just start with you telling the story about that song and just kind of who it's about and why you wrote it.
2: Yeah. Um uh yeah okay about it's 2022 now yes in 2019 in 2019 march of 2019 uh a friend of mine from college but yeah i have a close friend um died she got hit by a truck while she was riding a bicycle uh i think i was at i was at i know i know that i was at a work conference at the time and i like had a presentation coming up and I think I got a phone call from a mutual friend and I think that she called me a couple times and then left like kind of an ominous voicemail and I was like is somebody I know okay like is there did something happen um and I waited until after my presentation because I think she called me like while I was getting ready to present um and i went back to my hotel room sat on the floor called her back got the news and yeah and then the rest of that conference was super (laughs) super weird um my friend her name is tess a friend who died um her family is jewish and they decided that they were going to do like more traditional jewish funeral practices and that meant that her it, it's like a seven day service. And so, like, the which would climax on like a week after the death. Um, so, I like it's weird. We live in DC. I'm from California. The conference was in California. So, I like came home the next day and then bought a ticket to go back to California <laughs> in like six days. Um, yeah. Uh, and, this this song um is called Waxwing because at the celebration of life, which is part of what happened at her that serv- the part of the services that I was able to attend, um, her partner, her husband, who's also a close friend of mine, um also we didn't know that they were married until or I didn't know that they no, were married. No, no, no. They'd kind of gotten married in secret. He was an immigrant. Um they'd been dating since college uh he read from a book that they were reading together Pale Fire by Nabokov actually meant to start actually reading it in preparation for this interview but I still haven't read it um I read like the first page but it's like kind of a weird complicated text it's maybe about a murderer like it's it's a novel but most of it's a poem and then like the written by the person that's passed and then the plot of the book is in the footnotes. And so you slowly, I guess this is a spoiler but I haven't read it and I feel like this is the only thing that people know about the book. <laughs> At least based off of me, uh I you like over the course of the book get the impression that the person who's annotating this poem killed the person who wrote the poem.
3: Oh jeez. Yeah.
2: Um so anyways, it's kind of a weird thing to read at a funeral, but the poem <laughs> itself is very beautiful, Nabokov is a very beautiful writer. Um, I'm going to actually pull it up because I feel Let's like whenever do it, yeah. I do this on stage, I get some of the prepositions wrong. Um, but the first few lines are about a bird flying into a window, and that's what, uh, that's what Jan read. okay I was the shadow of the wax wing slain by the false azure in the window pane I was the smudge of ash and fluff and I lived on flew on in the reflected sky um yeah so Jan read that um and it kind of I don't know that, so Tess was uh the first person that was that I was really close to yeah that died Um, and none of us saw it coming. (laughs) Hmm. Um, part, yeah. Part of what was weird about getting the call was like, I was like, did something bad happen? And I like, actually my mind did go to like somebody in the hospital is somebody dead. Right. And then I had like a list of people that I thought it might be. And she was like the absolute bottom of the list. Um, Like, completely out of nowhere. Uh, Which is, like, all of that was sad and dark, too. Um, Because, like, finding out that it was her was combined with the relief that it wasn't all of these other people, too, you know? Um, Yeah, but, so, yeah, the process of grieving, like, kind of took me on a journey. A lot of the time when I write songs... I usually am. I'm a journaler. I've kept a diary of some kind, not like every day, and definitely with big gaps since I was in high school. Um, and since I started songwriting in college, I'm like I'm kind of a little squirrel. Like I'll tuck stuff away as they come, as it comes up, like little things that might be that might be useful. Um, throughout the day, uh, and I'll write them down. Sometimes I'll text them to myself. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll be carrying a notebook and I'll write them down there. Um, but yeah, I think maybe a week or two after she was after she was gone, I think I probably started writing this in particular at work, where I was like listening to a song and I was like, I've been chewing on some of these words for a while, like um and a melody's starting to come together and so i'm i'm going to like write some stuff that i think goes together that is from like these collected ephemera and put them on a, on the page um and that like eventually cohered into this into this song it like yeah it you you are right that it is a very like emotionally dynamic song yeah. it's also like I tried a bunch of things in it that I hadn't I hadn't done before, and some things that I haven't done since. Um, in terms of structure, um, and also once the band got its hands on it, like that also like was another layer. But um, it's definitely an odyssey. Like it has scenes, and it like isn't linear. Like it starts in the at the funeral, and then the next verse is the like. Kind of some background about what happened um and yeah it, it there there are a lot of characters usually when i write songs i try to not have a bunch of characters because it gets complicated pretty quickly like it's not like you're reading a novel like yeah y- usually all a song has is me and then maybe a you <laughs> but this has like yeah, this has several named characters. It has at least three named characters, and then um, and then a few that don't get a name. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it's a it's a big it's a big shaggy thing. Um, and I yeah I I I used to this is this is turned into a long spiel. I used to give a somewhat long spiel on stage before playing the song, and at some point, I think in the past year. Like maybe last winter, the my we were practicing and like preparing for a show and my drummer was like, I wanted to raise like, maybe you don't need to say all of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because just like, like, you know, if people want to pay attention to the words they can, it's there. The song can speak for itself. It has a lot of emotional range, like, and giving everybody like, that background brings, like, everybody to a very sad place. Like, like at the climax of our set. <laughs> and if they're, like, That's not ready funny. for that, then, it like, it seems like it kind of throws off the rhythm and the energy. Um, well, why,
0: why did you feel like it needed that preface before you played it?
2: I'm, people? yeah, I think that... Um, I think that for I think that maybe I felt like it was kind of a content warning like if you weren't expecting it and you you tuned in. And I don't think that people necessarily need that, but I think it's kind of helpful. I also like I'm a huge nerd and I also like kind of worry about like not citing my sources and that like quoting that much of another writer's work like I like to give credit um, and like explain why I was taking what I took from what I took from. Um, but yeah, I'm. It's also like I I also like yeah. The, I mean I'm also like a singer songwriter. I'm still sort of... I'm very blessed to have a band in the band that I have, but I'm still not used to having a band in some ways. And definitely when you are a singer-songwriter, at least in my experience, I talk a lot um, about, like, why I'm singing the songs that I'm singing and what they mean to me. Um, like, maybe a little too much. Maybe I could leave a little bit more space for people to, like... Um, I think they'll, like... There's a idiom, like, room for, leave room for God. Um but also like leave room for your audience to insert themselves. Um, Leave some ambiguity for people to fill in. Uh, But yeah, this, I mean, this song had such a clear personal narrative for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, you're, you're channeling one of the most complicated and mysterious and devastating Experiences that anyone can have as a human being. And to... You know, you, you mentioned this was the first time that something like this had happened to you. And I'm making... I'm casting an assumption here, but there's a difference when you lose an elderly uncle or even a grandfather in a lot of ways. You can prepare for it. But this... Was just such uh, a gut punch, such a just a visceral, sudden, undesired transformation, really for you? Um, I mean, what, like, how do you even begin to put that together in a way that others can kind of experience what you experience to a certain extent?
2: Yeah, um, it is all those things. Uh, it was all those things. I think that, um, so at, at the Shiva, so Tess lived with a bunch of my friends, like roommates, um, and like kind of to give some context for like what this friendship was for me, uh, we like all lived together in college and like co-ops and intentional communities. And we definitely fantasized, but maybe like more seriously than fantasized about like an adult life where we kept doing that, Yeah. you know? And like, some of us have moved in together as adults in the couples that we've ended up in. And like, they are, we are, they are, I'm not part of it yet. Maybe someday I will be, but they are raising children together. Um, and as a group? As a group, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and whenever I thought about that vision, Tess was part of that vision. Mm. And Tess was also someone that had, like, more than me, like, continued to um, live in and cultivate and work on this kind of community. And, like, building these communities is work. And so when she... When she died, she was living with a bunch of my friends um, and her friends from college in a community like this where they had been having house meetings every week Mm. and they'd been living together. A lot of them had been living in the same house for maybe like, I don't know, I wanna say like six or seven years, seven or eight years. Um, So they, her parents wanted to have the seven day services but they came to berkeley to do it and they like did the shiva in her house She they did the um they yeah the the seven day thing in her house so every night for seven days they had their like living room open and they did funeral services so i was at the last day of the shiva um on and i was talking to her partner i was talking to tess's partner we were talking about like how surprising all of this was Mm. and he was like yeah um this is definitely the I think he said something like this is the weirdest breakup I've ever I've ever been through and it was just completely out of the blue for me and I don't know how I'm gonna like what happens now um you know you like talk to people and you like read books and you're like okay well I'm about this age So I don't want any of these really bad things to happen. But when people are about this age, here are like likely bad things that will eventually happen. Like parents getting old um, is like a big thing on the list. Or um, yeah, older people passing unexpectedly is a big thing on the list. But like just someone freak accident out of the blue um, could very easily have been somebody else. Um, uh, none of us were ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, I think that to your question, which it's taking me a long time to answer, but to your question about how to do it, I think that like, I didn't have a very, when I started writing it, I didn't have a very like integrative narrative about what was happening yet, like how it was working its way through, so I just went for specifics, you know, like what's a thing that actually happened, what's another thing that actually happened, what did I wear, like who was there, what did they say, what were they wearing, um, what did it, what did it feel like, um, There's one direct quote, the 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 round. And I knew that I wanted a round because at I I've wanted to write a round for a while. Most subjects aren't like I don't know, I feel like there's some subjects that are good for like group vocals and there's some subjects that maybe aren't, and maybe you can do whatever you want, but I wanted something that was kind of appropriate. And at the Shiva, we sang some rounds that a friend of mine led and I actually reached out to him cause I thought that maybe I would just insert one of those into it. Um, but the week after the funeral or a week or two after the funeral, I had a call with a friend that wasn't there. And, um, it was, and we talked, we talked about it and we also like, he had just gone through a big breakup and he was starting to date again. Um, and which is, you know, that's its own kind of loss that I have a lot more experience with. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But he said something like, maybe it's not verbatim, but in my mind, it's now become verbatim. I don't mind being uncomfortable if I'm uncomfortable with someone who makes me feel alive. And I was like, oh, that, that is, I want to build around that. That is, that is what I want out of life. Um,
0: Can you explain that a bit more?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, that's the that's the one that feels like it's, cause it, he wasn't, he wasn't talking about Tess. He was talking about a, uh, a person that he was dating. Um, and maybe this can be on the cutting room floor at some point in time, but I would like to tell you that it, this person was a clown that, uh, was like a kink clown. all right (laughs) and they seemed like a really cool person but also really weird and like dating them was really weird but my friend was enjoying the experience of getting to know such a strange person and like trying to hang in there with the strangeness (laughs) Um, (laughs)
0: man that's uh that that that's certainly one way to to broaden your own humanity (laughs) but i love that
2: um Yeah, I think that one of the things that's happening in the song, there's, like, the narrative of a loss and of change. Mm. But at the same time as, like, at the same time as that was happening, like, I had moved to D.C. maybe, um, a year before. And I was at that kind of—this is the first time that I've lived outside of the Bay Area— And so I had a lot of relationships that were relatively new because I hadn't been in D.C. that long. And they were just hitting the point of like maturity where I was starting to get really attached to people. And to notice that that was happening at the same time as I realized that you could actually lose somebody um, was really psychedelic. Yeah, (laughs) Um, totally like yeah and so the sense of like not minding being uncomfortable like part of not being uncomfortable is realizing that like you know that nothing's forever and you know that anything can happen Um, and that like some some loss it's just you can't come back from it Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. Um, and being okay with it because what else are we doing here <laughs> right um so yeah I think that that is how my brain digested what George who was named in the song what George ended up saying about the person he was dating um because I yeah yeah I I think that uh that was something that I was that I was going through like a lot of the attachment that I was starting to feel to people like had gotten a lot less comfortable mm-hmm. and I was a, another thing that I was experiencing was like like I, I was probably closest to Tess in my early 20s and we would like I don't know I we both went through like a period of fun employment at the same time and like all of our friends were working like really intense jobs and we would like go play tennis really badly <laughs> And we, I think we went and saw Francis Ha together. I don't know if you've seen Francis Ha. I haven't. No. It's really good. It's about um, it's about a dancer in her. I think she's twenty eight or twenty seven. I think she's twenty seven or twenty eight. And the like. This isn't people don't buy DVDs anymore, but like the DVD back of DVD synopsis is something like: Dances is a dancer, but she. She never dances. Frances is a dancer, but she never dances. Because um, <laughs> she gets laid off from her company in, like, the first or second scene. And I think Tess and I went and watched that together, and then we left, and we were like, well, I think we were maybe, like, 24, and I was like, well, we have three more years <laughs> before that's our lives. <laughs> um and it was really good to have a friend that i thought the world of who i thought was just very capable and like adult she was a very adult person a lot of the time like she had traveled alone a lot um she had taken a gap year in college before i met her so by the time i met her she had like spent a year like traveling in india alone Mm. as like a 19 year old girl can't figure that out but she did it um And she and she was struggling with a lot of the same things as me and which they were things that made me feel really like immature and dumb. Um, And so it was really good to have a friend to go through that with. Um, And but by the time Tess died, both of us had kind of figured our careers out. She was doing really well professionally and so was I. Um, And my profession had taken me to the other side of the country. And I loved to talk to her or to see her whenever I got a chance to. Like if I had gone home for Christmas, she was on my list of people to see. Um, but my list was kind of long and I, yeah, I don't know. Like I didn't, I thought that I had plenty of time. Yeah. I was like, yeah, cool, right, we're right, like in our thirties, right. we've hit our stride, we're doing things separately now, but like someday give it a couple years, we're going to do the baby co-op thing and then be, like, really close, like, see each other every other day, friends. And, but now transformed by our experiences. Um, And I think that when she, when I realized that she was gone, I did feel kind of a lot of, like, wow, I wish I had Um, had I known that this was going to happen, I would have gone out of my way to like call her more, see her more frequently. Um, and like, I remember part of what we did, um, for the services was a friend of mine, like collected photos and I used to take so many photos. I like, yeah, I was like, that was one of the things that I did it gatherings i would bring my slr and take pictures and i like went into being like oh i have a bunch of photos to share um yeah i went into that thinking that i would have a lot to share and i did but i like put them all in a folder and then i was like oh these are all the photos that i'm ever gonna take of her that's not enough um. Wow. Yeah. God.
0: I just like I'm 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 reflecting now on how you you're not quite sure what the future is going to look like with these people who who mean so much to you and so when they leave us suddenly like that it's you're saying you're saying goodbye to them and and you're dealing with all the loss around that moment. But I mean, you're saying goodbye to a bunch of of future selves too. It's like all of a sudden those, I, I, you know, we're big fans of everything everywhere all at once, but Mm -hmm. you know, if you haven't seen the movie, my God, go see it. But, um, you know, the, the map they show of the different realities and then it's just like the, the nodes in your experience go dark in a certain spot and
2: just gets pruned yeah which is like I don't know like uh this isn't to diminish my experience but just imagining what it must be like for people who lose their partner um where like that is the person that they actually see every day and that they've planned like the next several decades if not, like, to the detail with, but around. Like, you've committed to having that person in your life until the end of your lives. So whatever future you imagine for yourself, like, maybe you entertain the possibility that maybe someday they won't be around for X, Y, or Z reason. Maybe they'll die. Maybe they'll find religion and go join a monastery or or what, but... In like ninety nine percent of your possible futures, they're there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, like the whole part of the tree that you'd been focusing on and was visible to you is dark. Like it's gone. Like a like storm has come through and struck half of it by lightning. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that that's a really apt way to put it but i think that the um, so another scene in the song is holding hands with her mom
0: yeah yeah
2: um and that happened um and
0: and you you hadn't met her before i think you say in the song right? yeah, yeah
2: i think that we had i think maybe at graduation we had like been in the same room sure but uh yeah i don't think that we had had a conversation before Um, also, losing a child, I'm not, yeah, I don't want that to happen to me. Um, that looked really hard, but one of the things that her parents said at the funeral, which I think that everybody really, um, or I, I found it pretty profound, was that, like, the process of losing Tess and, like, grieving with her community, um, like, through that, they were able to get to know her a lot better. Wow. Which I thought was really beautiful. And when we... When I said goodbye to her parents, I think that... um. I think her mom said something like, I've learned so much about her. It's just too bad that I'm... There have been so many surprises. It's too bad that there won't be any more. Oh my God. And I you don't want to disagree with a grieving mother but I think I said something like well you don't actually know that right And she was like no I'm pretty sure it's done um and it so I'm sorry this is just no a huge tangent yeah, but you're uh, okay. like you're okay. maybe so my 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 dad's mom died when I was 11. And I did not know her very well. Sure. Um, And I also feel like I wasn't very good at caring about my family when I was a kid. Um, And I think that maybe I've gotten a lot better at that. But at some point in my 20s, so like maybe like 15 years after she died, I had a dream that I went to a family party and she was there and I didn't go through the, like, oh, you're dead, Nani, thought process, because it was a dream, but I was like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you in so long. Wow. It is so good to see you. And I gave her a big hug, and she gave me a big hug, and I was like, where have you been? And she was like, oh, don't worry about it. It's good to see you, too. And I woke wow. up, and I was like, I've never been that happy to see her in my life. Wow. Like, I love her more now. I, I still don't know her very well, but I care a lot more about her. And, like, I have a better appreciation for who she was. Wow. Um, so, like, some of this stuff isn't... It doesn't go in a straight line. Yeah. Like, the tree maybe goes dark, but then there are things that, like, bring... Um, like, those people... Yeah, those people come back. At least like from your subjective experience, like there there is a version of them that lives inside of you. Yeah. And you might think that like whatever that version is is like limited and done, but like the subconscious is a mysterious thing. Mm. Grieving doesn't go in a straight line and um sometimes they have more to say. And sometimes they become helpful later um so yeah I'm yeah which is what I was trying to say when I l- looked at Tess's mom and was like I think that maybe like it's not over yeah um yeah yeah
0: that's man that uh what a just, I just I I resonate with that so deeply um because when I think of my own family I I always think about just it's, it's always in the small moments where I, I realize that kind of stuff. You know, um, both of my mom's parents um, passed. Uh, my grandmother died when I was like six. Mm. And then my grandfather died when I was like 14. So still pretty, pretty young. Um, but I, I, I still constantly find myself reflecting on, you know, my grandparents made my mom who she is. I am so much of my mother for better or for worse. (laughs) My my mom is great. It's always, it's always like, uh, hi mom. Thanks for (laughs) listening. Uh, No, but I mean, I I joke with her all the time. It's like anytime I have an irrational fear, like, you know, Shannon, Shannon goes to drive. So Shannon decides she's going to travel across the world for three months. Yeah. You know, (laughs) oh my God, she's kidnapped. Oh my God. I haven't heard from her in six hours. Like, you know what's going on? But, um, but anyway, but like, and then even before my mom's grandparents, it's like their parents and then their parents, parents. And, and it's just like, you can just trace these, these threads so, so far back. And it, whether you're or not you're consciously aware of those things, every person that came before you played such a huge role in shaping who you are. Um and I mean that is what makes it so hard when they're gone, right? Yeah. Because they are you. Yeah. We, like they are literally you of like <laughs> they they physically created you, but then also on a subconscious level and like a spiritual level too like their being resides in you and yes. and that's both beautiful yeah. and and tragic at the same time
2: yeah yeah i mean like you're alive i think and i'm i'm alive as far as we know as far as i know but like and we're in this room together right now but like from like I'm sorry, I didn't think that this was going to get this weird, but now I'm realizing that you're, like, ready for it. (laughs) But, like, as far as, uh... Like, I'm concerned, like... You know, light bounces... Comes through that window and, like, bounces off of something that is presumably you and into my eyes, and my brain, like, makes up a story, and that story is Zach. And then, like, part of... There's like a meta story, which is about our relationship together and like the interaction that we're having now. And from like my limited psychological human perspective, that is who you are. Right. And when you're gone, because we're all going to go, if I'm still here, I'll still have that, you know, like there is a version of you that lives in me. Right. And that's the only version that I actually know like whether or not it's like i keep getting external um more data if i whether or not i keep getting more data about who that person is it's still like building a model in my head and that model is something that is gonna persist and keep like working against like who i end up becoming yeah
0: wow Yeah. And, and I mean the, um, wow, that's, that's really cool. Sorry. No, I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm reflecting on that now because, because you, you do have, you have a story with every, every single relationship you hold in your life is, is a story. And it's, it's amazing that so many other people have relationships with that person and then they all have their own stories and like just the you know you always see um i just have the visual of you know how when they like zoom out on the universe and then they show you like a map of neurons in the brain and it's like they look exactly the same you know (laughs) not to get like crazy crazy heady with it but but like that i mean that is that 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 is a part of our reality you know like that is so much of what makes up our experience and and how we feel on a day-to-day basis and and the decisions we make um and yeah and and like death is just as much as part of that as 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 birth is it it it's just it's wild um i get like how how has this experience and i guess like even writing this song like how has this changed the way you think about death or even how you live your own life day to day?
2: Yeah. um, I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, I I would like to have like some kind of thing to tell you about how like I've gotten better at, like seizing the day, right? Sure. Um
0: Yeah, like this this thing happened to me and now, now all yeah. of a sudden I've I've got it all figured out. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't
2: I don't <laughs> think that it quite worked that way. I think that I am more um I might be more maybe this isn't the right word, but I might be more confrontational and then fill in with the right word <laughs> okay. in my relationships where like with, I, I think that maybe I was like less assertive sometimes when things weren't working, you know? Sure. In like a, there'll be time kind of way. Yeah. And it isn't like things weren't working with Tess. It's not really what I mean, but it's more like, I think that I have more of an appreciation of how limited my um time is how limited my time is and um it doesn't make sense to waste a lot of it like bickering or like not really catching each other or like kind of talking past each other Mm. like Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I think that it also, like, made me realize that, like, with my relationship with my friends in California, like, a lot of them were and still are in the same category as Tess, like, we are on different sides of the country, they are very important to me, um, I still, like, imagine some kind of long-term future with them somehow, where they are more central in my life than they are now. Um, But there isn't as much of like a feeling of ease that it'll all work out, you know? Like that's something that I'm going to need to work for and like make happen and that every, I mean, this is also something that I feel with my family, which like parents are getting old, my brother's sick, Um, every, month every week every minute that i'm not doing it is a moment that something could happen and yeah. make everything a lot harder yeah yeah
0: how do you strike that balance though with with because because i agree with you and, and it's something that as i get older i i resonate with a lot because i'm a person that was very go with the flow mm-hmm. for a long time um i i found a lot of success kind of just it really felt like things kind of just came to me um you know we're colleagues yeah and and getting the job that I have really felt like one of those moments granted I was working for it and you know there it wasn't as if I just you know yeah like I snapped my fingers and and created this but 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 did feel like Man, I I was sort of trying to get this, but it really was just a vision in my head for so long. And then since I got that this job, uh I I feel like I've been um the way I describe it is I I was surfing for a long time and I would, you know, go out to the ocean, wait for the, wait wave, for the wave, and when the wave came, I I would ride it. But now I feel like I've maybe been in the ocean for a bit and it's, it's low tide or whatever. And it's felt like low tide for a bit. And so now I'm, I'm trying to learn um, to sail if yeah. you will, where it's like, okay, you're, you know, you're steering the, the ship more where you want it to go. But at the same time, Sailing kind of fucking sucks sometimes, <laughs> right? Like it's a lot of work. It's a you got a lot of shit you got to pay attention to. It's like physical labor, like pulling the sail in the right direction. You got to know where no the wind. Much p- stuff yeah, yeah. What the
2: ropes are called. Maybe right. Have help.
0: Exactly. And you know that that is stressful, stressful too. So how do you? I mean, is that balance like kind of something that you? like do you feel like you're balanced in in your pursuits of, of all that oh
2: god no <laughs> yeah i'm definitely not i'm not at equilibrium right now like in any sense um well maybe like today in this chair it's a very sure. comfortable chair uh, <laughs> that's freddy's chair yeah. my dog <laughs> uh, yeah he's taking good care of it um yeah uh not i'm not balanced it's okay though because it's just part of part of it um I, it's interesting thinking about this now and like reflecting on where I was when I was friends with Tess. Yeah. Right? Like, I think neither of us, part of the problem was that neither of us really knew what we wanted. Mm. Um. Or like the things that we knew that we wanted, it wasn't time to do yet. You know, like yeah. we had, we had to live more. Um, and that's really sad, actually, because yeah, i mean i'm not I'm not gonna pronounce I'm not gonna put a period on her life, but I thought that she would get to do more than she got to do, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. um but uh, yeah, n- now, I feel like I have a lot of things that I want, in fact, I want, and I know about a lot of them. And it's kind of overwhelming, uh, and like leaving space for the, uh, constraints, like being able to accommodate the constraints. Like I can't be in DC and San Francisco at the same time. That's a constraint. I didn't worry about that constraint before I lived anywhere other than San Francisco. Uh, but yeah, there's that. Um, uh, I can't like run really hard at my career at the same time as like trying to run really hard at like starting and raising a family or like taking care of the family that I have. Like that's a constraint. Um and those things feel a lot once you know what you want, like all of a sudden the obstacles don't feel like they're like helpful forcing functions to like help you make a decision. Like if I, yeah. When I lived in San Francisco and I was like, I'm never, I mean, I could live somewhere other than San Francisco, but I'm probably not going to be, I would just look for jobs in San Francisco. That was a helpful like winnowing down.
0: One of the things I thought was really interesting was that you, you mentioned that this was, and I didn't even know this was a Jewish, practice but like the the 7 day sort of um i mean what you know funeral i guess but really it feels like it's like a it's a goodbye it's it's an extended goodbye and i you know i imagine there's i'm gonna go read up on what
2: yeah this, i what was this gonna this say let's uh <laughs> <laughs> let's not make me an authority oh on yeah Jew- no no, no, no funer- I, did, I didn't mean jewish that. funeral practices no no, that, no certainly not. i'm certainly not jewish, not jewish. <laughs> and i didn't go to all seven days sure but but i mean like I,
0: when you when you think about that when you think about the ceremony of of death like um I guess, what? how do you, like, how do you feel about that? Like, do you, I guess, because I, I'm of the belief that, quite frankly, we're terrible at dying yeah. in this country. And so anytime there, there is like a very spiritual, ceremonial, um, act of closure, you know, and granted we have funerals, obviously, but, it, but it always seems funerals that I've been to always seem to like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the cynic in me can't help but think of just like the yeah. funeral industrial complex or, or whatever, you know, yeah. and, and it just, it doesn't quite feel like it's what people really need it to be a lot of times. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I, I guess I'm just curious, like what, having experienced that, is there anything that you can think of that would maybe help people? do this.
2: I mean yeah I actually have a lot to say about this because I thought that the way that um the way that they handled that those services really worked for me um and that when she died I had an experience that I've had before when like relatives have died where I don't know how to I think that at the time it's felt like Like, I remember my my mom's mom dying when I was in college, and I, like, got the news that morning, and then I went to a final, and then, like, somebody said, like, something about April Fool's Day, and then I was like, oh, it's April Fool's Day, maybe my grandma didn't die. Oh, shit. I was like, this isn't, I think I had the experience of not feeling enough. Right? right. And then feeling guilt about not feeling enough. Right. And that's kind of how I felt at the conference too. I was like, wow, this is really big, heavy, sad news. I don't feel good, but I don't feel as bad as I want to. Um it's not that I want to feel bad, but like I don't it's hard for me to like appreciate that she's really gone. Um and I've actually given this advice to people who have lost people now. Like I now have advice to give about this. And my advice was to go somewhere where you would expect to see the person. Cause until you're there, you're not going to realize that they're, that they're not. Or at least that, that was my experience. Like going, going home to DC and Tess not being there and like not being able to call her on the phone whenever I wanted, like that wasn't the relationship that we had at that point. So like. That part of my life hadn't changed. But then going back to Berkeley, going to the funeral services, which were like, they weren't all black. It was actually just going to, there was a community center and like a thing, like a party. There was a party. Um, And then like going to her house and hanging out at her house with all of the people that she cared about the most. Like, and then her not being there that you like you I could see I could see her absence in that space wow like I would like it was hard to remember that she wasn't there it would be like oh like this is such a great group of people hanging out talking about Tess Tess is probably right around the corner like and then I'd remember that she's not, and then I'd be like, "Oh right, we're all here because she's not, and she's never gonna be, ever again." Um, and that that really worked like that. And then I came back to D.C. and it kind of wore off. And then the next time I went over to her house and she wasn't there again, like I felt it again, you know. Or the next time that I hung out with Jan and like we had dinner and we couldn't have dinner with him and her, like it was. It was there again and in some ways i feel like because i'm not in a context where her absence is just uh always obvious like i'm kind of far behind on processing compared to my friends that are that lived with her that are in the bay um and like things are still a little bit fresher to me whenever i go back like i think about it less often but then i like go back and it comes up again um But, yeah, I think that the services, the way that they worked, um, it, like, helped, helped drive it home. And then it helped to be, like, with each other and, like, all experiencing the same loss at the same time. And then also, like, a big part of my loss was, like, Oh no! I ran out of time with her. Who else am I going to run out of time with? And almost all the people that I was most worried about were in the room with me. And then I looked around at everybody and was like, "We're all going to (laughs) die. Like every single one of us." And I think somebody said, "I don't. I don't know if I said that aloud. Maybe I did say it aloud." Great, great, great job, Rosie. And then somebody else said, "Like, well, you know, like this is probably the." the best this is a weird thing to say but this is probably the best funeral that any of us are gonna have and like the older we get the more it's just gonna be like grandkids who didn't know us
0: (laughs) so true though (laughs) wow that man wow that is such a that's such a crazy observation that is so accurate though yeah. Yeah, cuz it like yeah, you know, there's this there's this notion of this person wasn't supposed to go yet. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, you get to a certain age and you know, it like, it like stops being sad in the news. Like, you know, That's you, true. you you hear yeah. you hear like, oh, this person passed and you're like, oh. Uh, like what? It makes me wonder like I wonder what my age threshold is for like, oh, well, they were this age, so it's not But like the person still leaves, you know? Oh, yeah. it, it's like it, it it's they their stories are still like conclude for a lot of people or, yeah. or continue in 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 other other aspects of reality you know but um but yeah just that that notion of her not it wasn't her time yeah is is really uh it, it's really just a it's a challenging one to, to wrap your brain around i think
2: yeah i mean she had i don't know I don't want to like make this a huge ageist thing and I don't know that many really old people but like I f- like the the archetype in my imagination is someone who's all of their friends are already dead right sure everybody that they w- were really engaged with who like all of their yeah all of their pieces of connection to the world have moved on Um, that feels like someone who's actually like it's their time you know right and i know that some people like feel like they hit that young and that that's like for some people might be part of what it feels like to be depressed and like part of what motivates people when they're suicidal like they feel like there's just nothing here right um but uh yeah that just that wasn't Like, part of why I was really surprised that it happened is that I feel like there are a lot of friends that I have that have, that had less of a connection to the world and, like, a less healthy network, a less healthy relationship to risk. Like, sometimes people talk about a death wish. I definitely have people that I care about that engage in reckless behavior or did. And, like, when I went, when I did my, like, little probability analysis of like who um maybe yeah had um ended up in a tragic situation like those the people that I knew were rolling the dice more frequently um were the people at the top of my list. Uh, I don't remember what your question was. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's okay.
0: No, that, that's alright. I don't even know if it was more. Yeah. It was more of just. I think it's oh, yeah. just like a general. Like whose statement. time it was. Yeah, 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 and it, yeah. It
2: really didn't. It really didn't feel like it was. But like part of that is the knowledge that you don't get to pick. Right. And we're all only here for like a minuscule amount of time, anyways. So like, you get what you get.
0: Would you consider yourself? fearful of death now um or were you
2: uh i am afraid of losing other people i don't when it comes to my own death uh i don't think about it that often i know i already I, I at least know a lot of other people that think about it a lot more frequently than I do (laughs) um I think some of that comes from being like I'm in good health um I I don't have a particularly like complicated relationship to risk I'm just pretty risk averse uh I yeah I'm lucky right um but yeah, and I, I don't think that there was a time in my life where I was, I thought about death that much. Uh, my friends, I want to tell you about this because I think you'll think this is interesting. It, this was before Tess died. This was like in our, maybe I was 25. One of my friends was going through a thing where he was like, everybody has unconscious biases and, like, things that we know are true about the world, but we haven't internalized. What are some of mine? And the thing that floated to the top of his list was, oh, I'm in perfect health. I'm in my mid-20s. I clearly don't believe that death is real. And I feel invincible. And he, and then he was like, what do I do about it? And he started a book club just reading books about death. Um, or, like, a... It was more of, like, a study group. Like, they... I should have gone to more of the things, and I I don't think I went to any of the things, actually, except for one of them, <laughs> which I will tell you about, and that I'm a complete freeloader. But one of the things that they did was they wrote, um... There's, like, a document that you, you can write about, like, how you want your... Like, what you want to be done with... I guess it's, like, a will, but also, like, what... Like, um... So instructions on what to ha- what is gonna what should happen if you're ever incapacitated, period. So it's not just like the will, but also like do not resuscitate, do resuscitate, and then all of the like uh, related things which are like
0: I think it's called an advanced directive
2: yes advanced directives yeah. they sat down these 25 year olds in perfect health sat down in a room and wrote advanced directives together um, which is a really good idea and everybody should go do it actually uh, and I haven't done it still um, but it is the kind of thing that everybody that you love and care about will really appreciate if anything horrible happens because having to make those decisions yourself while you're also grieving I, I hear fucking sucks oh yeah is like horrible um yeah and it's it is a gift that you can give to other people um but they went on they got somebody at a university anatomy lab to let them in and I went I went on I went on that field trip um and we like saw some of the embalmed corpses and took the organs out and put them back in um
0: whoa
2: yeah it was cool i it wasn't
0: maybe not as heavy as you would expect
2: it wasn't as weird as i thought it would be uh partially because an embalmed body doesn't look like it looks like it looks more like an artifact than like a person sure you know like all the i actually did learn stuff about the body like you you look at a like illustration of intestines and you're like how do they not just end up in a huge tangle like my headphone cords i don't know if you ever think this when you look at illustrations of rosie rosie body. is staring
0: directly <laughs> at my intestines right now and it's a little unsettling no
2: <laughs> no
0: i mean yeah there's like um y-
2: yeah there's there's a little an insane amount of there's a lot of, of stuff, stuff back there, there yeah. but there's there's a way that it doesn't get all tangled up and you can like there's like a, a flap of like skin keeping it in the right spot which i think is kind of cool but um yeah it wasn't as like visceral as i thought it would be and then when we were walking out uh the person that was guiding us through like may like we were walking past a room and he was like, That's where we keep the bodies before they're embalmed. And I like peeked in and I like there's shit there were like wire racks and like bags piled up and I saw a foot and I was like, Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, it like yeah, hit yeah, me yeah. like yeah. I don't know, like a ice knife in the chest. Um
0: That was a person. That, that it was a person. That, that they was had just... every all the experiences we've just talked about. Yep. There <laughs> are many many folks that went through the exact same thing because that person is now where they are
2: yep yeah yep exactly um and now their human vessel has wow. been donated to science um just good it's a good thing to do with your human vessel when you're not using it anymore but yeah we did that um and i think that that gave me a little bit of like oh yep people die death is real um wow but not but not like actually losing somebody did. yeah yeah. man.
0: yeah, I mean, it's like and I think it's because of there's just so much that's non-physical about it, yeah, you know it, like there's just so much that uh, and I think it always it always hits people in in ways that they you know would never. Expect. I mean, I and I, I'm blessed. I think this is part of the reason why I'm having this conversation and why I'm, I'm having a few episodes on death is because I personally have have been really, yeah. really fortunate. Um I you know, I had a former roommate who I would consider a friend. Um, he committed suicide a handful of years ago, and that was really the first time that yeah. it was like, oh man, this he went way, 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 way too early.
2: Yeah,
0: you know. But then, because he passed, like I caught up with some people that I hadn't spoken to in in years. I had a really nice conversation with. I had recorded a podcast with him, and wow, I, yeah, he was a he was a farmer, and I we had a conversation about wow. like organic farming and you know what that actually means. And I had this hour long conversation that his uh, partner hadn't heard before, wow. that his parents hadn't heard before. They didn't even know it existed. And, you know, this is the first time I had talked to any of them, but I was able to share with them like, here's this really fun moment. And here is like just this, what I felt was an amazing reflection of who he was. Yeah. You know, and then because it was recorded, it, it can be shared with others. Now, you know, anyone that goes online and, and listens to that can get a taste of, of what that guy was like. And he's he was hilarious. He was like a warm, beautiful soul. And it was that's why it was so crazy to learn that he he that we lost him to suicide. Yeah. You know, I mean and that's that's I think that's often the case, unfortunately. But um but yeah man, it's just uh Yeah, just to harken back to what you said, it's like every single person.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, like, if I go first, Zach, send this to my parents. You got it. Like, actually. Yeah. um, Maybe I'll listen to it first, but I don't think I said anything bad about them. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: my parents are going to go back through my entire catalog and just like take notes and uh, (laughs) use it as ammo against me. No, they won't do (laughs) it. I love my parents. I love, I love, I mean, that's why, that's why it's so hard, you know, like for as, for as challenging as some relationships can be, you know, they're all, a lot of them are ultimately filled with love too. And yeah, you know, like, I think when you experience a thing like this, it, it, it makes you, um, even when you come close to it, right? Even if you, you have a person that you love that has a, that faces death and, and has a close call with it, yeah. all, all of a sudden it, it, it does that thing that you, you explained all of a sudden time becomes this very yeah. meaningful, valuable resource. Yeah. Um, and, and it forces you to really have intention behind it. Yeah. And and it just it makes it, it makes so much of what we do on a day-to-day basis feel like kind of so silly. fucking silly. Yeah. So insignificant. Yeah. The things we stress about, the things that I mean, the things that like media and so, like social media and like all like everything that they try to tell you is important it just yeah. when you reflect on everyone i know is going to die someday yeah it's like what well, i'm glad that beyonce came out with a new album but i'm you know like yeah. i I'm, not, I'm probably not gonna <laughs> yeah. go listen to it. Yeah. no offense beyonce fans please don't come at me but but i mean yeah like that that's a cheap shot beyonce yeah but, you know like that that kind of thing you know like oh.
2: yeah yeah i mean uh uh a little like maybe a year after Tess died probably less I found out that a friend had gotten really sick and they were like on she was on the mend and and they live very far away and I was like can I come visit and they were like no I don't feel good (laughs) I don't want people here. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Uh, I really want to. I I really, really really want to see you, though. Um, And, yeah, I I visited her last winter. Like, once we had vaccines and everything. Because in between between losing tests, the whole COVID-19 pandemic happened. And a lot of people lost a lot of people. And it also got really hard to travel. Um, But... Yeah, that is, I think that I'm a lot more willing to weather a lot of inconvenience to go see somebody, especially if it's somebody that I haven't seen in a long time. Especially if there's been like some kind of mortality scare uh, for them. Uh, like I'm, yeah, I I guess I guess one way to see it is like I'm more anxiously attached now, but I think that that's okay if it gets me off my butt <laughs> and like. Yeah. Maybe I should look up the definition of anxious attachment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well I think that Oh man. I mean I have so many You know, it it's just it it, it feels so just uh like we could talk about this stuff. Like there, there are just so many aspects of it that I feel like you could go, you know, yeah. forever and and talk about it. And I and I really wish that like just more people would would be like that. It was okay to to like talk yeah. about this stuff. You know that that folks like wouldn't run from it so much because like, I, um, we death is so embedded in in pop culture and stuff, right? Like think of all the shows. you watch like I think about all the video games I play or whatever and like death is it's so integrated into like so much of of what we experience but it it, like it like cheapens it a little bit yeah And maybe maybe that's I don't know maybe that's part of why we run from it so much in this society I guess is because it's it's always it's always there but it's not at the same time yeah I guess in a lot of ways
2: yeah uh, I've had a couple friends that have now had kids, and maybe some of this is just also just getting older, but I think that a thing that, um, a couple people have described is becoming a lot more sensitive to violence yeah. in media. yeah. yeah especially, like, yeah. especially moms, which yeah. I totally get, and has actually changed totally my perspective that. on that kind of thing a lot, because, yeah. like, you go through so much just to make one person... And then you watch a movie where, like, (laughs) 25 of them get mowed down by a machine gun or, like, a whole uh, skyscraper gets exploded. And you're like, that is so many months of pregnancy, hours of labor, years of, like, loving and raising and, like, struggling over making a child into an adult. And now they're just gone. and like that like
0: just blip out the
2: like that like the way that we plot our movies like doesn't it often doesn't leave space for like the enormity of what that actually is you know right yeah yeah i've also like i think through uh this is too bad too kind of because i used to I was never a huge horror movie fan, but I used to enjoy a good horror movie from time to time. And maybe I'm like warming up to it again, but definitely (laughs) through COVID, like I just couldn't like, I was like, I can't, I can't. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that that's a very good argument for more exploration of, of art that is, is exploring what death truly is. Um, And, I Think that's why I love the song that we Thanks, open this podcast with so much. Um yeah. Rosie, is there anything is there anything else you wanna you wanna add? Do you wanna like just you know pitch people to uh to your band? Her band yeah. is fucking amazing. And you all, if you're in DC, definitely gotta come check her out. I'll let you pitch it, Rosie.
2: Uh I'm in I'm the front I'm the Rosie Chima. <laughs> uh, I'm the front person in a band called Rosie Chima and What She Dreamed. Uh and should I say when our next show is? When yeah. are we gonna publish this?
0: uh, uh well, nah. probably September. So. Okay. Yeah. Where where can we find your tour dates?
2: Uh, on our Instagram page, most likely. Um, which is our our handle is What She Dreamed. We are playing a show in DC at the Pocket, I believe, on October twenty I'm going to say this again in a sentence book fair 26 no sorry you're good 30th cool okay we are playing a show in dc at the pocket on north capitol street on october 30th
0: beautiful Rosie, thank you.
2: Thanks, Zach. Thank you so much. This, this is, is so awesome. Yeah, this, this is a is blast. Really, uh, I like talking to you. I like talking to you too. Yeah. I, I
0: I like. I really appreciate you just being being vulnerable and and open to to doing this. It's not uh, you know you ask your friends to talk about death for an hour and it's uh, you get mixed reactions. But I, I it's like just so deeply appreciate you sharing your experience. It's I I can't imagine like what it felt like to go through that. And you're still going through it, I'm sure. Um, But I just want you to know you're a really beautiful, amazing person. And I think you're doing really great things for the world. Thanks, Thank you for all you do.
2: Thank you for all you do. This is an awesome project. Thank you. the world needs more of it.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you so much. That was Rosie Chima, everyone. Thank you so, so much to her for being a guest on the show and sharing such a deeply personal, challenging, and enlightening story with everyone. Her band is Rosie Chima and What She Dreamed. We've got all the links on where to find her in the description of this episode. And if you happen to find yourself in the DC area, please make it a point to come out and see her live. She puts on amazing performances and just her shows have a really unique and welcoming vibe to them. It's just a fantastic community of artists that I'm really lucky to be somewhat involved with. And also, a huge, huge thanks to all of you for listening. If you're a fan of the show and you're wondering how you can support us, well, it's very simple. You can just subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're using to listen to it. And you can follow us on Instagram at selfassemblypod, that's self-assembly pod. That's self-assembly P O D. You can also follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Zkusan. That's Z-C-U-S-S-O-N. Uh, We will be back in another couple weeks with our fourth conversation in our series on death. We'll be speaking with Dr. Victoria Tucker. She's a palliative care nurse and also has her PhD in nursing history. She helped me and my fiancé navigate one of the hardest times of our lives and was honestly a big part of why I wanted to do this series on death in the first place. I am extremely excited to share our conversation with you. Until then, remember that every person you encounter in your life is on an infinitely complex journey of self-discovery. We're all at different phases of that journey and every experience we have is an opportunity for growth. Love you guys, talk soon.